Yeah, so that first flip, um, our team as a whole, we lost about 120,000. Yeah, man. <laughs> and Maybe a special guest, Wyatt Ma'a. He started investing in real estate just one year ago, and since then, he's acquired 15 rentals. He has a small fleet of seven cars that he tours, and he's currently working on a $4 million luxury luxury flip here in Hawaii. Welcome to the show, buddy. Oh, thanks for having me. It's an honor, honestly. It's crazy. Like We met, I think, honestly, like about a year and a half ago at a Ryan Pinedo's event in Vegas, and you were like brand new at that time, right? Like the, like no, no real estate investing experience. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah, no, honestly, I was super intimidated just going to a room like that, being surrounded like people like that, mm-hmm. um, just knowing what people are doing in the, um, in real estate. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was just, I was just mind blowing. Honestly, I'm like, well, what am I doing? Like, I need to grind even more. <laughs> like, I remember we're driving to a ramen, um, place and yeah. you're in the car, just like giving me tips in here and there. So it's like, that was an unreal experience for me. And it definitely drove a lot of drive for me, um, at that moment in time. It's, it's crazy because like, I mean, I meet a lot of new investors, like at these events and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so like the, some of them, like, I'll give them the same advice. And I was like, Hey, here's what you need to do to start. And like 99% of them, like I never see them again or like that. I'll see them for six months and then like they'll fizzle out. But you're one of the guys where like, I remember that ride to like, we were hanging out with Ramen. I think Keone was in there yeah, too, right? Yeah, yeah. So a few other guys. And then. We're just, I mean, just chatting like brand new investors, you know, mm-hmm. and then like looking at your story like a year later now, I mean, like you've crushed it in the last like year and a half, like way more than I did in my first year. And so it just, it's so impressive to kind of see your journey or, or this like this year and a half. So what kind of prompted you to actually get started in real estate investing? So I actually wanted to own rental properties mm-hmm. at a very, very young age, probably yeah. like 10 to 12, okay. because my grandpa actually, um, owned the properties. I didn't, okay. I didn't really know what he was doing. He was very, very quiet with the family. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he has a property up in Maui and it was a single family residence with a detached cottage. Okay. And the, he didn't sell anybody, but the way he had it, he pretty much demised the single family into three units. Okay. So this one parcel had four units and from afar, I was like, wow, that was, that was genius. Genius. And this, this was like, <laughs> way before my time 1950s or yeah i was like <laughs> like how do you think about doing that in a sense where he owns the property and he's collecting income yeah so that sparked in my mind like oh i'm 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 gonna be some i'm gonna do something in real estate so when i was in high school middle school i wanted to be an architect because i was actually wanting to design houses design like mm-hmm. rental properties mm-hmm. of my own so i went in that direction i ended up being a mathematics major <laughs> which okay. total which flip cool. so and then I became an engineer and that's kind of how I started. I thought I had needed all of these other prerequisites to become mm-hmm. a real estate investor mm-hmm. when I could have just dove head first. Straight into real estate investing. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So. Take us back a little bit. What were you doing before real estate? And what was that kind of caveat to kind of get you started in real estate investing? Yeah, actually. So um, before I started getting into investing, um, I was a real estate appraiser. Okay. Um, I was a real estate appraiser for about a year, year and a half okay. under, uh, working under someone. Um, so just learning the trade, learning the ins and outs, mm-hmm. and that kind of benefited greatly in the sense of I know how to put a value to um, a dollar amount to yeah. things that add value. Yeah. Um, and before and I was an appraiser, actually, I was an engineer. <laughs> a lot of real estate investors get started <laughs> yeah, in, in engineering. So the mindset of just like yeah. logical and like what A plus B, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I was an engineer and I, I didn't even last. I think I was there for six months okay, okay. and I was just over it. I, I didn't even give my two weeks. I was just oh, like, wow. I was out. <laughs> I was over it. And then for 
like one, two months, I was just kind of wondering what I was doing. Okay. And then um, one of my friends uh, got me connected with the real estate appraiser. Okay. And that's where I got to learn everything that had to do with real estate mm -hmm. appraising mm -hmm. and started to transition full time into um, real estate investing. One of the biggest things I think as a real estate investor is figuring out what they call the ARVs or the mm -hmm. after repair value. And that's so important because it's like what you can sell the house or like refinance the house for after you finish like the renovations, right? And so the one biggest mistake I always see with investors is getting the ARVs wrong. And so like you kind of have like a small advantage where your your whole job before that was appraising houses. So like yeah. it really translates well into like actually like understanding the value of a house and how much they're gonna be gonna be worth after. Yeah, I know that that was probably that was super good information for me to have, just knowing and understanding how to get an ARV. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, every investor would probably know that the ARV is probably the most important thing yeah. in a deal that can kill you or or yeah. um make you money. Yeah. So just understanding what goes into that mm -hmm. and how to formulate an ARV based on the things around that yeah. certain um, property that's benefited me tremendously. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, like you're an appraiser and then was it the event that kind of like made you like switch to decide you want to become a real estate investor? How did that transition happen? So, um, as I was going to the event, um, I was saying that I was a real estate appraiser. Mm -hmm. And then once I went to the event, I kind of like, oh, I want, I want my first deal. I don't know okay. what it it's going to be, but I just want to get my hands dirty a little bit. Okay. So I believe that event was in January and I closed on my first flip in early April. Okay. Okay. Um, so it was, was a still, quick, it was a quick four months. Like yeah, the, yeah. you got inspired at the event. It was the wrestling conference. It was mm -hmm. Ryan Pineda's event, yep, right? Ryan Pineda. And like we, we hung out a little bit. You got to hear some amazing speakers, some <laughs> other like, in, like big time investors that got mm -hmm. to share their stories. And then you were inspired to start looking for your first deal in Hawaii. Right. And then in April, you closed on your very first deal. Yeah. So April, it moved really fast. I mean, I was still doing appraising at the time. Okay. okay. Um, so I want to say going into the summer of that year, I kind of started getting, um, more focused on the flip because I was actually okay. doing a lot of it. I was doing some of the trades. Um, okay. So was, you have a little, little bit of construction background yeah. or something? Or no, like, no. I mean, <laughs> uh, I was just, I just kind of wanted to get my hands dirty. I wanted to learn the trades. I wanted to okay. learn about electrical, plumbing, okay. so all, all that stuff. University, what, how would you learn all this stuff? Just trial and error. <laughs> Honestly, I'm like, oh, that doesn't work. Okay. We'll do this or, okay. oh, that, okay. that works. Let's do that mm -hmm. thing. So that. I wanted to do that personally just because moving forward, if I mm. did know the or had an understanding of the trades, yeah. I know that I could um, transition that into future projects and kind yeah. of have a better understanding when people give me bids yeah, or when yeah. or when contractors are talking to me. So I, I took that very, um, very to heart because I told my um, my appraising um, boss at the time that I, I'm getting busy with the flips. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can fully commit to this. Mm -hmm. And he was more than willing to help me out and just kind of um, go our different separate paths in, in that aspect of things. Very cool. I mean, I, I really like, like that advice of just kind of like getting your hands dirty when you first started. Mm -hmm. I did the same thing. And like the, the just like the actually doing the trades, like helps you understand like what it goes into it, how much it should cost and like how hard and difficult different mm -hmm. things are. So like number one, you can make sure you're not getting ripped off by your contractors. Mm -hmm. But number two, you can also appreciate the work that they do because right. like man, like drywall and like, like, <laughs> like, like sanding these things, like it's a pain, man, or like yeah. these small things. You it was, it was hard. It was hard work. <laughs> I, I give them so many props, especially yeah. laying out, laying out, um, flooring, yeah. doing the electrical, doing the plumbing. It's, uh -huh. it's a lot of work. And, Prior to that, I did have like project management experience okay. in the engineering road. Um, okay. so I got to test those abilities as well. Okay. So first, first year, um, four months in, you bought your first flip. Mm. Tell us like how that, how that first flip went. Um, so it was 
going into it, uh, we thought it was going to be a, a quick, quick, uh, light, light rehab, okay. but you know how okay. that always, always turns out. <laughs> I've been there so many times before. <laughs> as, as we kind of work with, oh yeah, we'll, we'll save money and do the work yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Um, but there's just shortcuts that you, you can't really take and it's going to hurt in the long run. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at that time, once we finished the flip, that's when, um, the whole market as a whole just dramatically yeah. changed. Was that like during what year? So this was 2022. Uh, 20, yeah. At the and end we went, of 2022. Yeah. And I believe towards the end of that summer is when the market kind of started really getting crazy. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. almost three to 4% in interest rates just yeah, yeah. spiked up. And we're like, yeah. oh, like, what are we going to do? The market was like, it was like rising, rising, rising. And mm. that time it was the first time it was kind of going down, right? In that yeah. summer. So we kind of got a little shifty, um, trying to figure out what we can do in that um, mm-hmm. sort of thing. So we ended up docking about almost 100000 on the price. And okay. we definitely felt that once we once we kind of finished that flip. So what what was like the profit or loss for that first flip? Yeah, so that first flip, um, our team as a whole, we lost about one hundred twenty thousand. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and but it's a it's hard cracks for your first flip. So your first flip, yeah. you lost one hundred twenty thousand dollars. So yeah, and what what was going through your head like during the during the times? So. I mean, it was it was a good it was good to go through that process because uh-huh. now I understand like. I did the trades, I did the project mm-hmm. management, I ran the numbers, I did the analysis, I went through escrow. So it was a it was a big lesson, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a cost lesson, but I think it was worth it because now I know, understand, and um, I'm well versed in that area where I can take those things that I've learned yeah. and transition into the next deal, the next deal, the next deal. So, so ton of learning, ton of education. Yeah. Number one is like just like going through the trades and like the whole mm-hmm. renovation process. Probably part you learn on the buying process, the mm-hmm. sales side. Like there's that first deal you learn so much on like the whole like from A to Z. And the fact that you're doing it like yourself versus like the just jumping on or as a private money lender or like mm-hmm. another very like you're actually in the thick of it doing that from A to Z yourself, right? And yeah, so, no, because I raised the money for that project mm-hmm. um i was working the project management yeah. like working with the draws yeah, understanding yeah. that process how yeah. to work with the lenders the pictures all yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. so i got i learned a ton yeah, from that yeah. one project even though it was a loss it's still a win in a, in a way in the, in the long run right yeah. so i mean the short time is going to be sore yeah but then if you can take those that skills that you learned during that time mm. apply it over the next 10 15 20 years now like they'll be like you'll hopefully more than make that that back yeah in the, hopefully in the it was an ex- exponential risk in the long run <laughs> yeah wait so like if you had to kind of go back and do that one again what do you think like you would do differently <sighs> i think i think it was just a matter of timing honestly like everything mm. was done right um the price i think we're priced pretty well there's still activity yeah Um, it's just that price of interest rates with that price of home yeah it just definites a lot of um opportunity for that um that type of family yeah that can't that can't really afford that what did you guys end up selling it for at the very end we sold it for about 870 so if you're listening normally like a hundred thousand over that like 970 so like Mm. 970 to 870 in the percentage wise is only 10 percent but from like a number standpoint that's a hundred thousand dollars then right so yeah because people aren't qualifying for that high amount Mm. when interest rates are spiking so it's just a i think it was just the timing of the market Mm. that kind of got got the best of us because it was it was a solid property i mean it was Actually, one of the largest lot sizes mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. within Lower uh, Makahilo. Okay. Um, and it was able to have ADU had all that type of zoning um 
purposes. So yeah, it's just the timing of the market. So 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 I mean, like on on that note, you have like another deal coming up where mm. it looks like from what I what I've heard from like the the grapevine is you might <laughs> net maybe like close to half a million dollars or something on this guy. So yeah, that's that's the goal. I mean, um, we listed it about about a month ago. Okay, um, an activity has been been off like on fire okay, it's okay. it's just a matter of picking and choosing of who um is right for the property yeah, um yeah. we went into escrow twice um it's just some things didn't work out with the lending or they didn't like something with the yeah, property yeah. um so we're priced pretty right it's just a matter of finding that right type of um family yeah. for this house because there's not that much of a buy pool for this yeah, type of property yeah. in the in the um vicinity of that price point yeah so it's just being patient with so it. this is a luxury flip and right. then like i seen what you guys did you guys did an excellent job on mm, that thank you and then, like i mean it looks like it's priced right and like uh, you'll have another buyer in, the, in a short while but like what's like the what lessons did you apply from the first deal <laughs> like to the to the second one yeah. definitely the project management skills mm-hmm. um being on top of the contractor yeah. knowing what materials are what yeah. <laughs> like not that many people like know what different materials are like oh the contractor said go get this like i have no idea what this is can you send a home people what do you mean by that like uh, like example just like flooring like what kind of flooring you need or um just things for like the plumbing like pipes or Mm -hmm. trim like yeah i need pictures yeah (laughs) i need the iomb yeah Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just learning that and then just also learning the difference between materials of um a million dollar um entry-level home in hawaii yeah. versus a multi-million dollar flip yeah and yeah. seeing how those uh, materials differentiate that's a big i think a big um education um moment where like i'm glad that you guys like knew that when you're going into this luxury flip because the expectation of a buyer from a luxury flip is way different than like an entry-level oh, yeah. home buyer right and like the the level of detail the level of like finishing and also mm-hmm. materials is a big difference on what they expect over here versus what they expect over yeah here. yeah it's, so. it's definitely a, a different different market in mm-hmm. a sense um and we knew that going in we knew yeah. um interest rate interest rates might not play a huge part just like mm-hmm. an entry-level home does because we knew as if someone wants to go in that home they're they're coming in all cash yeah, if yeah, we afford that type of um yeah. type of house so yeah, yeah. we knew it's going to be its own little market own little luxury market mm-hmm. amazing amazing so in your first year you've obtained over 15 rental properties mm-hmm. which is crazy to me <laughs> i mean especially like being in hawaii like you know yeah. so how have you done it what was like what was that process like um so i actually uh joined the mentorship okay. um that solely focuses on burrs and okay. out-of-state rentals that focuses on the Kansas City market. Okay, okay. Um, and that's where I kind of found myself the path of, yeah, I'm going to do burrs um, out in Kansas City. Did you have a whole lot of money when you, because like, so you're working as an appraiser, did mm. did you have like a whole lot of money saved up during that time? How did that? No, I mean, um, not really. I only worked at W2 for six months and I was in college before okay. that. Um, so I didn't really have that much money saved up. It's just a matter of how can I afford this where... The uh, private money lenders kind of takes mm-hmm. into place. So your parents didn't, did your parents give you a big chunk of change or anything or was this? <laughs> no, no, not, not at all. I mean, shoot, they're, I, I still live with my parents. I've been okay. fortunate and blessed yeah. for them to kind of take me in after college. And I'm so fortunate for that. Um, but it, it just has allowed me to grind. It has yeah, allowed yeah. me to hustle, allowed me to take risks more. Yeah. yeah. Um, where I'm in a situation where if something goes wrong, I can always your fall expenses back. Expenses are very low. And yes. I, I think that's yeah. a really good like lesson is like, no, I think a lot of guys, as soon as they have like their first deal, like, let's move up to like the, the mansion and buy a nice car. But like, <laughs> if you like, if you like live frugally, like when the times are bad, then you can like stomach like the different kinds of like losses or like the, when you're not making as much money, right? So like it's, yeah. a, and just like growing your portfolio as you're like 
you have 15 rental portfolio or 50 rental properties, but you didn't buy your primary house yet, right? And so yeah. I was exactly the same way where you start picking up rentals, especially out of state. And then like the, you're saving money on the primary because you live at home with your parents and just, and save money to, to buy, build more passive income and buy, build your rental portfolio, right? Yeah. No, that's, that's the goal. Uh, I mean, moving forward, we want to have that, um, passive income for my mm-hmm. rentals from our throw business to when we do have a primary home to cover yeah. that. So it's not really, um, like a, a stressful situation yeah, for us, yeah. um, for my girlfriend and I. So that's what we're kind of pushing forward. I, I know a lot of people say do the flips first and then the rentals will come after, but yeah. I'm kind of taking that approach in a different way where I'm getting the rentals first and then doing flips here and there. It's <laughs> funny, we have a similar story. When I first started, I was only all about rentals because I was, mm. I read bigger pockets. I was like the forums and the, the podcast and they're all mm. about the burst strategy. So. Right. I had no money when I started just doing all the birds to begin with. And it's only like later on that I started doing flipping. So it's a uh, same story as you is just like focus on the cash flow and like right. the rental properties and then let the flipping kind of augment or supplement what you're doing as a, with the rental portfolio. Right. No. Yeah, definitely. And then I would say doing the flips, going through the whole process actually helps mm-hmm. me be a better bird investor. Yeah, Cause yeah, I know yeah. the process. It may be out of state. It may be from a distance, yeah, but I still yeah. know the A to Z of what makes you, uh, makes a good quality product for yeah, yeah. that type of, um, strategy yeah 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 so i mean walk us through so 15 15 mm-hmm. rentals in one year basically it, to <laughs> me it's insane i mean like the what was like how did you get your first deal and how did like what did that look like um it was pretty much just connecting with the right people mm-hmm. uh, i mean i took maybe one to two months really learning the um the area the markets like the, the, markets. the neighborhoods like this street is a good street yes this is ex- not a good exactly street. like oh, yeah. I, I really took the time i took it seriously and how i mean like walk us like through that process what does it mean to like learn the markets like we're talking to agents or mm-hmm. you're on zillow what what do you what for do you me it was, it was zillow and I have two monitors, so Zillow and Google Maps. Okay, so you have them both at the same time. Yeah, and I'll just go walk through the neighborhood and see like, oh, what's the difference between this three two um house versus this three two, mm-hmm. or like um this and um, what zip code which is after one street. You know, it's like mm-hmm. really dialing down the zip code and seeing and understanding what is a appreciating market and what is a cash flowing market and just having confirming that with your property manager, confirming that with your agent and seeing like, Oh, the research I'm actually doing is actually right. So you're kind of like doing all the heavy lifting up front. Mm -hmm. And then after you come to some conclusions, you're verifying it with like the boots on the ground, which is your agents, your property managers. I think like the, that's a really good approach because I think sometimes guys are like, they just go straight to the property manager or the agent. Mm. It's kind of like the lazy approach because you want to do the work yourself. (laughs) And so like the property managers and agents, they're like, they don't appreciate it because like they have to tell you everything. But if you already come in like with resource or actually researching it, mm-hmm. now you're more informed and you can ask more intelligent questions and waste less of their time. So they don't have to explain everything to you. It's like, hey, is this I'm I'm coming to this conclusion? Is this right? Right? And it's like, oh, yeah. actually, let's adjust it slightly because this and this is okay. And so I like, guess you get way more information as way more productive than just like tell me everything about the area. Yeah. Like, you know, so. and then, no, I do that on like literally every deal. Like mm-hmm. I'll do my own due diligence. Mm-hmm. I'll find what the rent. The, I, what I think the rent mm-hmm. is, the comps in the area, I find the actual comps and I, I give, I give it to my agent and give it to my yeah. realtor and be like, Oh, I'm, I'm getting these as my comps here, yeah. here, here they are. Um, I'm getting these for my rents. Like, what do you mm-hmm. think? Am, am I in the right ballpark? Yeah, yeah. And I think they, they like that a lot better than just, Oh, like, what's the, what's the ARV or yeah. what's the rent? Yeah. Cause yeah. it shows that you are putting in the work that you're yeah. not just wasting your yeah. time. Like you said. 
I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's win-win on both sides. I think in, mm. being, so being on the other side, a lot of people will come to us and say like, Hey, can you help me out with how to start flipping or how, how yeah. to start investing? Right. And they do zero work on the back and they just right. explain, they tell them everything. Right. Versus yeah. someone like yourself is like, Hey, I read these books. I come to these conclusions. Mm. Can you affirm that these are right or not? I'm like, actually, you know why? Like this, you're like 90% there. Let's, let's tweak this. It's like, you're way more productive and it's like way more of a, a better relationship to like yep. want to help someone like yourself. 100%. Like, you know, yeah. No, so. It's definitely a relationship back and forth and mm-hmm. it, it's like a, that phrase trust but verify yeah yeah and yeah, I, yeah. I really took that to heart when i was trying to figure out um what's what works in the area mm-hmm. that's catered to my goals mm-hmm. so i mean like that was the first deal like on the mls was it from wholesaler how did you find that first deal? yeah so the first deal was actually um i was on the market i was on mm-hmm. zillow it was a, a triplex okay, that i okay. kind of just found i was like i said it um did my own did it due diligence and I sent it to my agent and I said, I'm getting these numbers, like where, where can we be at? What is, what is your opinion on that um, area? I know it's on a kind of a busy road, like okay. what do you think? And he's like, oh yeah, no, it looks solid. Um, I was like, shoot, let's just put an offer in. Okay. And what, then, what, was, what was it listed for in Zillow at that time? It was a triplex and I was listed for 155, I believe. Okay, 55. Yeah, so. And I, what did you think you could rent out the three sides for? Um, so each one, I was grossing about 2,000, 2,100. Total, it's like 700, Total, yes. 700, yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and then, um, it was going to be a hybrid burr, okay. but it was kind of funny as I finished one what's, unit. What's a hybrid burr first? Oh, so a hybrid burr is pretty much um, a burr, but you have, you're collecting income okay. from a, another unit okay. in a way. So it's, it kind of alleviates some holding costs throughout the, the rehab. So or, burr, by burr is a buy, rehab, yes. rent, refinance, repeat. Basically, it's like you're flipping a house mm. and opposed to selling it on the back end. You're refinancing and keeping it for yourself. Yeah, okay. I pretty much the way I think about burr is like you're flipping the house to yourself. <laughs> yeah, 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 which is exactly what it is. Yeah. So. So that it was a hybrid burr at first. But so normal burr is you don't have income on the property, mm. but a hybrid burr means that you have some in, income on the property right. while you work on it. Okay, correct, okay. correct. So when I was buying, when I at the time when I was buying it, one of the units was vacant, and two of the others was um, rented out. Okay, but it was kind of funny. It was like a domino effect. As I finished um, the vacant. The middle person um, moved out. Okay. As I finished that, the, the So the it was like person, perfect timing for you then. As yeah, and it was like not planned at all. They were just like, oh, we're, we're, we're out. I was like, yeah, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> so I, I got, I was able to turnkey the whole or rehab the whole um, triplex and it appraised while for- getting, While getting rent. Right, yeah, while right, getting so, rent. So like and it ended up appraising for about 220. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that was so, that was a solid first deal. Appraised for two twenty, and you put out twenty seventy five percent in a cash out refinance. So I actually put out about eighty percent at okay. that time. So I put out about one eighty five. Okay, wow. Okay, and um and back forward, but I bought this with uh private money. Okay, okay. Um, so I funded the whole um purchase price and the rehab with um private money. Okay, and the purchase. And pri- what what is private money? So private money is pretty much um friends and family that okay. you um know like and trust okay. that are willing to help you out but you're also willing to help them out and make some returns so like you give them a little bit of interest and then yes. they lend you money for a, a short uh determined period of time yeah um so like, they're not there's not a bank they're not like an institution it's just like mom yeah. and dad uncle and auntie or some friends that you know and like no, yeah exactly it's so. just um word of mouth situations referrals mm-hmm. whatever the case may be um so that's how we were able to fund the purchase price and then the rehab was about i want to say about 35 40 okay. Um, so we're all into this deal about 190, 195. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so we were able to take out 185 and we kept out like 10,000 into the deal. Okay, okay. Um, and right now it's stabilized and everything is probably cash flowing about 250 a door. 
Um, so like about $700 a month in like positive net cap yeah. up on this one deal, one deal, which you bought for basically $10,000 out of your yeah. pocket. $10,000 and then some sweat equity, right? Like right. Only you right. found the deal, you manage the contractors and everything, but then like that. It's like a way where you start with zero money, mm. but then you only have a little bit of money invested, but now you're going to cash flow for the rest of your life. The property's going to go up in value. You're going to get some tax savings and some mm. loan pay down. So like it's a... It's a great way to kind of build generational wealth by like doing exactly. like more and more of these, right? Yeah, no, and then from there, I just caught the bird bug. And I literally closed on that in August, and okay. then I bought my next two in October. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's what I love about this, the bird strategy is it's such a great way to kind of build a rental portfolio, right. especially when you don't have a lot of money to start with, right? Mm-hmm. So if you got a lot of money, you can just like, oh, let's just buy these out with cash or like throw money at it. But when you don't have money to start with, you have to be creative and then like mm. figure out a way to, to build your portfolio without money, which generates really well to when you do have money. Now you can still build a portfolio because yeah. you're still using the same skill set that you build when you didn't have money, right? So. No, yeah, exactly. And I think that bird process teaches you so many things within mm-hmm. the real estate world, within yeah. the real estate transaction, even the construction side too. Yeah. So it was, it's a, it's a good strategy yeah. for, for people who are willing to do that. In some ways, I think the bird is like easier than flipping, but some ways it's harder. Because yeah. like a bird is basically a flip that you're gonna um, keep on the back end, right? But like the bird, you have some like margin where like like if things go wrong, you can keep it as a cash flowing rental after anyway. Yeah. But then at the same time, like to do a complete bird, you gotta get really good deals, right? And it's like it's just like it teaches you like all the skills that you need for a flip, but it's, it's like it's easier and harder in some ways and in, in other ways. Yeah. No, I I definitely think it's pretty pretty similar. Like we said mm-hmm. before. It's pretty much flipping the house to yourself <laughs> and it's just learning on the back end like once you do do that uh mm-hmm. refinance like are you gonna be able to cash flow like what, what's your situation in that mm-hmm. terms once you do pull out the money because yeah, yeah. we definitely don't want to be negatively cash flowing in that sense and just using every, people's money and then have negative mortgage yeah. or negative yeah, cash yeah, flow so yeah, yeah. it's definitely different running different scenarios uh talking to different lenders mm-hmm. seeing what works on the back end side too so, I mean, after that, that first deal, you started slowly buying, you bought two more, like the next couple months after, kept like scaling. And I mean, it's, now you're at 15, 15 rentals, which mm. is how many doors right now? So, oh, so that's nine doors, 15 rentals. Okay, sorry. nine doors, oh, no. nine, nine rentals, 15 doors. Okay, so I love it. And so from there, it was like just, um, has it been smooth sailing? Was there any challenges like uh, having the rental it's- portfolio? Not at all. I want to, I think that third deal, um, uh, that I bought, one of the bought in October, okay. I actually went through my first eviction on that okay, one. Okay. Okay. Um, so I learned right, right then and there how, what the eviction process What, is. what happened? Was it, they just stopped paying rent or was yeah, it? Yeah. It was, it was super crazy. I literally took over, um, took over the property. Okay. It was already, um, occupied. Okay. And that month they just stopped paying rent. So they were paying rent all the way up to that point. Yeah. And you bought it. Then you decided like not to stop, to stop. Yeah. Paying I rent. verified about, um, a year work of pay stubs okay, from that, okay. um, tenant that they were, um, confirming, pain, confirming, pain yeah, confirming yeah, their pain yeah. rent. And as soon as they took over, I don't know, I don't know what it was. They're they like, just, this guy out of state from Hawaii, he's not yeah, gonna like that. They just exactly. stopped paying rent. And it took about, us. it's crazy on this deal too. When the property manager went to go in and clean it up, they okay. found, they found two, um snakes <laughs> like live living snakes yeah living snakes and i was like what is going on like this house was like trash so oh, wow it, it, thankfully they they paid a um a, security deposit yeah a security deposit up front it was a double security deposit actually okay. so. why, why was the sort of like uh 
I, yeah, Did I'm, the previous landlord knew that they were like uh, going to be a show with tenant or something, or yeah, I guess I'm, I'm not I'm not too sure about that, but that kind of helped me. Meters or something. Yeah, it, it alleviated some of the uh, stress went, uh, and the, the the cost within that went into the uh, eviction yeah, process. Yeah. yeah. So like, what was like the eviction? So like the you're living thousands of miles away. This is in Kansas City, mm-hmm. and now you've got to evict this tenant who's not paying. What does that process look like for you? It was honestly like pretty streamlined. I mean. The property manager took me from A to Z and I mm-hmm. didn't really have to do anything. It was okay. pretty much this, oh, updates here and there mm-hmm. or like, oh, the tenant didn't show up to court or, mm-hmm. oh, the police is coming in, removing his stuff. So it was just pretty much updates here and there. But I got to the sense like this is why I invest in Kansas City because of that eviction process was so like miles compared yeah. to like what Hawaii has it's, to go it's through. It's very like fair, right? Where, right. Like the, right. if you're not paying rent, you get kicked out, right? Versus mm-hmm. like in a state like Hawaii or maybe California is, if you don't pay rent, you can just stay for like uh, like another year, basically, right? So yeah, like uh, and the cost to remove them is probably 10, 20x of what <laughs> I had to pay for the uh, uh, Kansas City eviction. Yeah. But it's also good to have a good property manager who understands the yeah. laws and who's able to do things like correctly and also like walk you through the process as a as an asset owner, right? No, so. I was I was very fortunate um to have a property manager like that mm-hmm. to hop on the phone call um, miles away and kind of walk me through the process, yeah, like yeah. oh we need this um at this date or mm-hmm. if the doesn't do this and this happens so yeah, yeah. just running different scenarios with me was was a lot a lot to take in but it's so informational moving forward because now i've gone through it and i can just take on whatever it is i feel like, like is. you're like a you're a lifelong learner where like yeah like when you first started you're like learning at the appraisal process and like yeah. you you took all that to like your investing journey and like mm-hmm. you're putting in the work to like to know the neighborhoods and to kind of like dive in and like now that as a you probably learn a lot as a as a property as a landlord and mm-hmm. as a through the property managers and like mm-hmm. the you're building the skill set that's gonna last you for the rest of your life and so like yeah. it's, it's really cool to see I mean like within a year you like you learn all these things like you know like if if you were to talk to yourself like one half a year ago you'd be like you'd be like a genius yeah. to like your yourself like one year ago right so yeah I, I will say that that appraising trade was mm-hmm. probably the most beneficial thing I've ever done because mm-hmm. I could translate that to any other market mm-hmm. and it's pretty much just like understanding and how to read a appraisal report too and like what what are they looking for exactly yeah has yeah. helped me tremendously in how I look at deals how I look at ARVs or um comparing different properties different comps on yeah, seeing yeah, like yeah what they did versus what do I need to do yeah kind of yeah, thing. yeah so so I mean the we were talking earlier and you said you had like mm-hmm. a uh, trail, I mean, some tour, you're doing some like tour on the side. How did you get started with that? And what does that look like for you? So that was honestly, um, probably about two years ago that we started. Um, okay. it took me about two to three months to convince my girlfriend to actually like to send it. Like, okay. cause I, I, I couldn't afford a car at that time. I'm, I'm okay. fresh out of college. I'm like, I think I think this is a good opportunity for us to to earn some passive. So it's like an idea in your head. You see yeah. it on YouTube. How'd you like? How'd you come with it? So. <laughs> it was literally a, a Jeremy Jeremy Mateo's video. Okay. I'm like, I, I can do that, this. That, that makes sense. Like you <laughs> you buy the car, you lease it, and then you rent it on like a on a tour platform. Yeah. So I, I it took me two months, and then as we um, got our first car, it, it started working, started mm-hmm. kick, kicking things off. Was it, what was the first car that you guys? Bought? It was a 2019 Nissan Versa. Okay, okay. So very grandma-ish okay. economic <laughs> car, but it, it worked. I mean, it's paid its dues already. And what, what would you purchase it for? We what? purchased it for ten thousand. Okay, was it a loan or did you do like no? Cash? We, we bought it up in cash. So me and my girlfriend split and that then five. What each. did you What did you rent it for? So okay. at that time, Turo was was booming. Okay. So it was renting for maybe like seventy five to ninety five dollars a day. It was okay. So it was crazy. And then what's like what are you taking home every month from that um i would say 
at that time, maybe about 750 to 800. Okay, okay. Um, but now it kind of slowed down. Yeah, but, so in the first year, mm-hmm. you make, mm-hmm. almost make your money back. Right. Like, oh, after, yeah. After one, after one year, you made back the 10,000 purchase price. Yeah. And then so after that, there's just gravy after that. Like the. Yeah. So as, as we pay off one car, we buy our next car and then kind of trickles effect. Wow. I yeah. love it. Okay. So then like you started with that first, the Nissan Versa started slowly like scaling like the, mm-hmm. the so it's almost like a rental portfolio right yeah you're, you're oh, building right. cash flow but like yeah. the, only, the only downside is the car is depreciating in value over time versus the rental portfolio goes up in value over time right right but right. then like it's as a it's way easier to manage like a car than it's like a, a rental at the same time yeah. too right and, no yeah and the only ten thousand dollars was like a hundred thousand yeah. hundred fifty thousand right so yeah exactly and i think when we were first starting like we were doing all the work, like the, the cleaning, the mm-hmm. communication, and whatever it tells for a turbo business to work. Yeah, yeah. But um, as we started this year, we kind of hired out a fleet mm-hmm. manager. So now it's just passive income at this point okay. and just scaling the business or adding more cars yeah, at this yeah. point. And we're, that's been a blessing in disguise because now I can focus more on the real estate stuff and just have that operate. What are, what are you guys putting in passively on the on the tour business right now? Um, probably about six hundred per car. Okay, on net. I mean, the the cool thing is, I see this this pattern over and over. Is like when you first start, you have to do everything yourself because yeah. Number one, you probably don't have money to like to yourself <laughs> it out, right? And then yeah. also, like, you need to learn all different aspects of it and get like up and running. Mm. But once you get the machine up and running, now you slowly start to buy back your time. Right. So like you rent out the things that, or you sell off the things that, will, or you. I don't want to not sell or whatever. Like you buy back the things time that were yeah, exactly. like your time in it. And then now you can either like focus on other things, whether it's your family or whether it's mm-hmm. like making more money or whatever it is. And it's like a, it's a good pattern to start where like you do everything yourself, learn everything. And then mm-hmm. over time, slowly start to buy your time back. And then now you can expand to, to do bigger and better. Right. Yeah. No, uh, easily. That was pretty much spot on. Mm-hmm. And we were able to, with how it was growing, we were able to pretty much pay off, all the cars. Yeah, yeah. So all cars are paid off. And, Amazing. And it's like, in my head, I was like, oh, a fleet manager is pretty much like a loan. So yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't see what, what the... Um, what was the there negative... like, a prop, like a property manager, right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's literally a property manager, but it's a fleet manager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they pretty much take care of, of everything. I don't I do not do anything now. How much it. How much time do you think that saves you every, every <laughs> like a week? I don't know. I want to say maybe... Or a month. 10 to 12 hours a week. Okay, so 10 to 12 hours you're buying back, right? Yeah. But then this allows you to put it more towards like either real estate investing or spending time with your girlfriend or whatever mm. it is. And I think that's like the, what's really attractive to oh, yeah. just as an entrepreneur or as a real estate investor is mm. the ability to like make enough money where you can buy back your time and still have like passive income rolling in, right? Exactly. No, it was, it was definitely a right, the right move at the time. It's amazing. So I mean, like, where do you think you're going to scale that more, or what are your, what are your thoughts on the? Um, side? right now we're we're just scaling it as we can. Uh, mm-hmm. We're we're not really forcefully scaling it, mm-hmm. but um, scaling it as the business grows on its own. Um, so it's more of like a side side yeah, hustle, yeah. Um, passive income type of type of deal. Because at the end of the day, we want that side hustle to cover our mortgage when we do get a primary okay. home within okay. the near future, hopefully. So that's kind of our mindset with that. And then, like, so what, what does, like, a typical day look like for you? As a, So you own, like, a bunch of tours, you have a mm-hmm. bunch, bunch of rentals, you got some flipping you're doing. And I think, yeah, we talked earlier, you do some commercial property. I mean, yeah. you got a whole <laughs> bunch of, like, stuff that's going on in your life. What does, like, a typical day look like for you? As so because of the time difference and because of my market is mainly Kansas mm-hmm. City, I usually take calls in the morning about 6 to 8 a.m. Okay. Um, and then that's when I do my calls, my emails, okay. uh, whatever it is, communication-wise. Okay. Um, and then I go do a lift for maybe one to two hours, come back and then just dialing down on the um, 
residential or commercial side of just analyzing deals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then every once in a while, I'll, just like any person, I'll play games, yeah. play, play video games. I have my two, two monitors as well, where I have like playing video games on one of them and then just like analyzing deals or looking at properties. I love other. it. So like, so I mean, so you work a little bit in the beginning of the day because of your market, do mm-hmm. some lifting, some working out exercise, and then you come back and you're, Video games on one monitor and analyze deals on another. Yeah, and then pretty much I, I go for a run or I do some car, kind of cardio in the afternoon, come back, and then I either watch like YouTube or podcasts, mm-hmm. and then back to the games and then analyze. What, 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 is, what games do you play? I like to play like Call of Duty a lot okay, and okay. then uh, Fortnite. Nice, nice, nice. So I'm still, still getting those reps in. I, I mean, I really love like the, the life, the work life balance, mm. you know, so like you're, the cool thing is like, it's only been a year. You've come such a long way. 15 rentals, two flips, one luxury flip. You're mm. doing like a tour of fleet. You got some current, you got a whole bunch of things that are going on, but you're able to fit it in like from like a morning, morning calls and playing video games <laughs> while like multitasking, you know, like, yeah. and work out and stay, stay in shape too. Like, that. yeah, I think that that's like a hard thing for like most guys to like, like to achieve or to, to, to ever get to. I mean, what advice would you get to somebody who's like trying to do the same thing? I think definitely trying to prioritize of what's important in your life. Like mm-hmm. for me, like working out is like, it's a must. Like yeah, that's yeah. something that as I've grown up with, so yeah, it's like yeah. built into my, Were my you, schedule. Did you play sports? Was that- yeah. So I, yeah, I played a lot of sports back in college and back in mm-hmm. um, high school. So I grew up with that mindset of discipline mm-hmm. of like working out, getting, mm-hmm. getting your mind and body right. So um, yeah, just prioritizing what, what's important for you in life and what makes you happy at the end of the day, yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. um we can do as much work as as we can, but at the end of the day, it's like, is that actually making you happy? Is it, mm-hmm. what, what kind of emotions are you getting out of that work? So yeah. I think really coming back and seeing what puts you at like your safe space, your home, you know? But then what's so like, there's a lot of guys who are, <laughs> I see both extremes. I see guys who like work 24 seven mm. and they do really well in business. And then I see guys who are like super lazy and they just play <laughs> all day and then they, they don't do well. But then it's rare to have a guy that has like a balance where you're working and playing and you're doing really well in business and like in the in the financial space, you know. Mm. Like, why do you think? What are you doing differently from like the these two like extremes that's allowing you to still expand and grow, but also have like all the other time freedom that you do have? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say like as you go through the reps, as you go through each deal, mm-hmm. you understand what gets you the deal versus yeah, what yeah. doesn't get you the deal. Yeah, yeah. So it's really honing in on those activities, on those different tasks or yeah. whatever it is, those phone calls and prioritizing that, like I said before, and understanding like this is going to get me that, but that may not get me that. that <laughs> no, that's, that's so good. That, I mean, like what you said is gold right there. I yeah. think like the, like prioritizing. So like when you're doing like a, as an investor, right, there's like a hundred mm. things you got to do. Well, there's like, it's like the, um, what's that? The, the law of the 2080 rule. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember what that, that thing's called? It's I, like 20% of the things you do, it gets you the most. Yeah, it's, it's like, like there's a law in the story, yeah, so yeah. I'm trying to remember the name of it, is, but it's basically like the, out of all the things you do throughout the day, there's a small portion, like 20% that actually gives you all the results, right? So like if you right. focus on that 20%, prioritize those things now you're going to get all the same results or like 80 percent of the results of somebody who does all 100 but yeah. then like there you're only doing that in 20 percent of the, of the time so yeah it's like doing as much tasks as you can but only moving the needle like an inch yeah yeah but, yeah. but really finding those really dying down on those tasks yeah. like oh i did that before it got me like to yeah, where i am yeah, yeah. to step z yeah so it's yeah, like yeah. pointing on to that understanding 
what time of day works for you when doing those tasks as well. Because so optimizing, like when you're yeah. when you're the most focused and you have the most energy and stuff. Exactly, yeah. That. So in the morning, is that like a good time for you when you? Um, I would say honestly, I would say I probably at night. Okay. <laughs> as okay. I I grew up like I said playing games a lot <laughs> at night, just just uh, not going to bed. But that's when I really dial down. I really focus uh-huh. up. I'm like. You get like the second win at night. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm the same way. Like, you're talking in the morning and like, I'm just, I'm just like wide awake. And then. Yeah, I know. Cause like I said, I'm a night bird. So that's when I kind of get my tasks, uh, um, situated mm-hmm. and uh, like the most optimal. I feel it's also good because like there's less distractions. Like when you're at night, it's like during the day, there's like, I feel like this, you're talking to people on phone calls, but at night, there's like that period where the world is kind of sleeping. Yeah. And you can just kind of like just focus and do like, like deep work and stuff. Yeah. Like, and so. I think it's the same thing, um, reverse where people wake up earlier mm-hmm. um than the usual at like four or five a.m like, yeah, yeah i think it's the same thing it's just a couple a couple hours yeah like <laughs> you're here like late like early morning or like super late night it's, it's like that it's the same concept though right so, yeah yeah definitely so what do you think like those tasks are like if you have maybe like three tasks that are very important as like a bar investor or rental property investor what are like the three things that like that a guy needs to focus on hmm, that's a good question as well i think for me it's really systemizing and choosing um, what zip codes work with okay. your goals. So you're focusing in on like just a small subset of the area. But yes. it's like, let's look at all kinds of the area, all of Hawaii. Let's, let's look at like one small subset and really dive deep into this, this one. Yeah, area. no, exactly. And that's where um, I work from before has really mm-hmm. put into place where I know if, if something's not in the zip code, like I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to look yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I work put from before that uh, researched on um, these areas that I do want to yeah. invest that caters to my goals. Like, mm-hmm. That streamlines the process yeah. in, in a so it knocks off like a hundred like uh, right. fifty properties right off the bat, and now you only have like these ten that you need to like, kind of focus on. Yeah, so it's really really understanding what zip codes matches my goals yeah, and yeah, how yeah. I how I can look at it in a different okay. way where I'm just picking not picking and choosing, yeah, but yeah. more focus on um yeah. those zip codes that work for me. I like it. so you focus on like one small area, which is like. It's the, the time and energy you put, if you put the same into like the whole thing, yeah. it would take you like 10 times as long to finish this whole, like this whole area. But because you're in a small subset zip code, now you only have to analyze a way less deals. Or like, yeah. Okay. I think that, that, and then also just like anything, putting out as much offers as you can mm-hmm. that, um, cater to your goals too. Yeah. Cause I probably put just like anybody yeah. in, in the space, <clears throat> put out tons of offers a day how many do you think you put out every single day every day i want to say maybe like eight to ten okay okay and it could be either um conditional um offers or verbal offers just yeah, yeah. just to get out something out yeah, there because yeah. the more you put something I, out, so this is like so good and yeah. it's like people are going to be like really like resonate with this because i think a lot of times people don't realize the volume of output is needed to be successful right yeah, and so exactly. like people like i talked to like some people they're like oh i was like hey you gotta put out some offers for like if you want to get some deals and like Okay, okay. How many did you put out this week? I was like, oh, three, three this week. I was like, yeah. bro, that's not going to cut it. This dude over here is putting out 10 a day, right? So like, yeah. he, you're either putting out 70 a week or you're putting out three. Who do you think is going to get the deal first, right? It's <laughs> like, when, when my people would tell me that, it's like not thinking about like technical, analytical. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you got to take analytical risks, but at yeah, the same time, yeah. just, just throw it out there. Like, you're, you're going to be protected in the inspection. You're going to be protected yeah. in, um, whatever it is in the contract that, yeah, um, yeah. that, allows you to back out if something were to go wrong. So just, just throw it out there, see what it says. Like the worst they can say is no. So I think as, as more you put out to, um, your team members, to your agents, then they'll going to circle back and one, one's going to bite. This is like another genius moment that like, I mean, like just, uh, uh, 
to kind of like highlight is that like you're so like the the strategy that you're using mm-hmm. you're optimizing like your effort because like you could say like let's analyze 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 and only put in when it makes super last sense and get the exact number right right mm-hmm. but like that's going to take you less than like 20 hours but like let's just like put it close enough and then spam the offers and then like deep analyze later now that takes you like two hours yeah. so like if you got like a i did this can sound like um two hours for the same amount of work as like i does 20 hours now like your output is way stronger so it goes down to the things where like you can work a limited amount of hours but mm-hmm. still get a huge volume output out right so that's how you're able to like work so little and still have so much success and play video games on this side <laughs> because you're so like you're so um productive in those hours that you are working like, yeah you know, so. and I, I think overall like growing up i was a huge adrenaline junkie uh-huh, so uh-huh. i have a huge like like just send it <laughs> mentality like like just send it i'll, I'll figure it out like yeah, wh- yeah. whatever happens like i'll figure it out <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it's like a, like a lot of successful investors they, they call it like ready fire aim right yeah, yeah, yeah. like let's just get it going let's get the thing started and then like as problems arise like, we'll solve them because we know we can figure it out right so, yeah like, it's a, it's a, a good men- mental like yeah. just, like mindset to kind of be in as an investor yeah because i would say i'm a huge trial and error guy like mm-hmm. just, just try it out we'll see what happens mm-hmm. but if goes bad we'll, we'll figure it out yeah. so like with maybe if it is like a brand new guy who's just kind of getting started which is you like a year one year ago <laughs> like talking to white uh, one year ago what kind of advice would you give to like a guy who just just like they see what what you've done within a year and like mm. they want to duplicate your success what where's the advice would you give somebody like that i would definitely say like learning the terms learning the mm-hmm. vocabulary understanding strategies because mm-hmm. when i was learning in a sense it was almost like a, a different language yeah yeah and like like different acronyms that's so intimidating right, right? Like yeah the investing acronyms are so intimidating yeah just I being spit out there is spit out here it's like yeah. what are these guys talking about yeah. so i think really dialing back diving into the books the podcast the mm-hmm. youtube whatever the case may be to understand the language understand the vocabulary then yeah. put yourself in a comfortable situation go to these events mm-hmm. and start like um networking start having conversations with people yeah, like yeah, you may yeah. not have be have anything under your belt but you can hold a conversation yeah, with them you yeah, can understand yeah. the terms you can understand what people are going through mm-hmm. and i think that really helps you like okay now now i got this now let's, mm-hmm. let's just send it like where's where's the deal <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing so I, I think that's probably the best advice is just really understanding that language mm-hmm. and then forcing yourself in those uncomfortable situations and being put on the spot and being able to understand what um and hold these conversations yeah, with people yeah. that are doing it in the space yeah amazing so i mean if uh if somebody wants to reach out to you like learn more about you or um get some advice from coach white where, where can they do so oh <laughs> uh, yeah i mean I'm, I'm on instagram um my handle is uh just my first name period and my last name i try to be active but it's, it's i don't know how you do it <laughs> it's, 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 it's difficult man <laughs> it's crazy man. You, the things you've grown the things you've done is is insane to, to see it. and um, I'm um, watching from afar, <laughs> but yeah, I'll say that. Uh, and then, yeah, just, I'm open book. Um, a lot of my friends and family just reached out, and I try to be as a help mm-hmm. as much as possible to to anyone um, yeah. because it's a it's a welcoming space. I mean, we yeah. all want to see each other succeed. We all want to see each other thrive mm-hmm. in the space, yeah. and I think it's a just like in. That's a Hawaii vibe just yeah, going together. I, and I really appreciate yeah, that. I mean, yeah. it's, I'm talking to investors in the mainland, like a lot of different, like sub, sub, um, counties or cultures, they don't have the same, like, I think like the Aloha spirit or whatever. Yeah. Like, all, all of us in Hawaii, we are, we're friends and there's not so much competition. We want to see each other succeed. We're rooting for each other. We give each other resources. It's just exactly. like the Hawaii community has been like amazing for me as an investor, but also like the, as um just like as a as a participant to like just grow, help others grow and also grow myself, you know? Yeah. So. No, and I, I love that aspect. Like sometimes, mm-hmm. Um, 
going to the mainland may be just about business, 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 yeah, but yeah. I like to take a step back and really yeah. start to think about what, what are our whys, mm-hmm. like how, how can we help other people in the community? Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah. that's what I yeah. like thrive off of just yeah. how much people, um, no, what is that phrase? Um, Rising more, tide raises all ships. Or something. Oh. No, the uh, the more hands you shake, the more money you make. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. So I think like just opportunity, um, presenting opportunity yeah, to other people yeah. and just welcoming in the spaces is all that I can thrive to be. Awesome. <laughs> we we got to partner a deal later, man. Yeah. So that'd be, cool. that'd be cool. Yeah. But thank you again for coming on the podcast. Super appreciate your time and super looking forward to your journey, which I just you're on a rocket ship up. So. Stay tuned, good folks. For yeah. our, we'll have a part two in like a two years or so, or a year. <laughs> oh, yeah, and a half, thank so. you for having me. This is awesome. But, yeah, awesome. Thank man. You. Thanks, Wyatt.